stage now. And our moderator for today and the MC for most of the day is going to be Andres Ospina uh, from our Family Office Club team. He's also the head of our PitchDex.com Investor Relations Marketing Agency and uh, works with a lot of charter members coming onto the platform as well. So welcome on stage. Thank you, Andres. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Family Office Super Summit. Can we please give a round of our applause to our first panelist? Awesome. No, we had some uh, technical, technical difficulties this morning, but that's live events for you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's just the way that the cookie crumbles sometimes. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed breakfast. You guys are going to have some good cocktails today. And uh, like Richard said, you're primarily here to do deals, right? So, uh, so we're going to get this panel going. Uh, and today's panel, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, niche and new investment strategies. That's how we really want to start the day uh, and really discuss the investment strategies that a lot of our investors are using and utilizing uh, in their due diligence process and in their allocations. Uh, so, guys, I like to get some noise in the room, so your hands are going to burn every time that I'm on stage. So just one more time, can we please give another round of applause to our panelists? Thank you. So, uh, panelists, uh, there is uh, seven of you on stage. Thank you, Brian. Uh, there's seven of you on stage, uh, and I'm kind of rigorous with my panelists. So, I'm going to give you 30 to 45 seconds to introduce yourself quickly, your name, the name of the firm, uh, and a little bit about uh, what your firm focuses on. So, uh, I'm going to put, uh, Brian, you got a microphone right there. I'm going to put you on the spot. Go ahead and start it. Ah. Hello, uh, my name is Brian DeLucia. I'm the managing partner over at Arivado, uh, which is a family office. Uh, background has been 30 years now in land and building development. Um, most active these days throughout the uh, Sunbelt region. Uh, acquiring quite a bit of uh, land and also outside of real estate we're uh, extremely active in traditional lower middle market businesses manufacturing logistics transportation and then um, also have a couple holdings overseas in transportation and cell towers Excellent. thank you, thank you. Good morning. How is everybody? Welcome to South Florida. If you're not from here, welcome to paradise. Uh, so the, the, my firm is the AID Group. Uh, we're based in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I've been here for the last 33 years in the financial services world. We have a full scope financial planning firm. Uh, underneath our umbrella is the AID Wealth Management, Advisors Insurance Design, and a separate company, the 401k company. Uh, but my culture 33 years ago comes back to uh, the niche market of uh, tax avoidance for the ultra affluent. So uh, today, hopefully, I get an opportunity to tell you a little bit about uh, um, some of what we do, uh, unique, uh, creative ideas. So glad to be here. Go ahead, work your mic. That's your work. That's right. Yeah. 
Good morning. Hello? Great. Good morning. My name is Benjamin Marks. I'm the founder and CEO of uh, my family's office. It's a leveraged equity holdings group, also based in South Florida. Uh, we're owners, operators, and developers of commercial real estate uh, across seven states now, mostly in the East Coast. Uh, we own and operate everything from single-tenant leased uh, specialized uh, pharmaceutical-type properties all the way to multifamily, uh, and have also done opportunistic uh, residential and multifamily development. Good morning, Rich Palutes, uh, partner in Edmodem Holdings. Edmodem is a uh, private equity holding company. Uh, we have three operating businesses. Uh, biotech company, uh, lower middle market investment bank, and then we have uh, air asset management, which is my day job. It's a uh, $250 million um, registered investment advisor solely focused on life settlements and longevity investing. Good morning. Teresa Esser from the Silicon Pastures Angel Investment Network in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mandate is investing in the Midwest region of the United States. But we, we want to do something different and special. So we've been doing angel investing for 20 years, and we've noticed that if we can lower the risk by investing in companies that have more revenue, we will do better on our investments. We've discovered that there are companies in Japan and Korea that have millions of dollars in revenue, but no US presence. So we have an office in Seoul. We work with the Japanese government we find companies with millions of dollars in revenue, and we help them set up a new office in Milwaukee. Or we set it up ourselves. You can call that angel investing because it's a brand new US company run by Midwesterners who know how to sell, but we get the benefit of an established company with millions of dollars in revenue that's about to expand globally. Great, since you got right into mandates, can you explain, do you have examples of some companies you guys have kind of taken from Asia and brought over here? Sure, there's a company named Livicon, which puts, which, they manufacture thin smart film that goes on glass. Press a button, it goes opaque. Press a button, it goes clear. They had $20 million of revenue. We traveled over to Korea with our then governor in 2017. We, um, we put on a reverse trade mission where we brought eight companies to Milwaukee, and I personally worked with my colleagues to try to get the meetings. How easy was it to get customers to take a meeting with Livicon? Well, of the eight companies, Livicon was the easiest one, and a, a, a Milwaukee person came forward and said, hey, I want to quit my job and start a new business. I want to create a new business to sell this product. So he set it up. He set up a company named Dynamic Glass Products. And um, the first year they had 30,000 in revenue. The second year they have $300,000 in revenue. There's no reason to think they can't keep expanding at this rate, especially with additional investment. So we want to replicate that. I think that's a, that's a really, in my opinion, a low-risk way to do angel investing. And what niches do you, would you say those are listed under that you guys are focusing on? Like niches, sub-niches, industries? The niche is totally specific. Find a company in Japan. Um, oh, okay. So biotech, industrial products, um, there has to be some reason why it's not easy for somebody else to copy it. So sustainable competitive advantage, Internet of Things. Um, it's harder to, um, well, software we could do, medical devices. Raise your hand if you think that applies to you. Raise your hand. Nice and high. No chicken wings, guys. All right, great, thank you so much. 
the other thing is portfolio optimization. If you have a company that you're currently selling in somewhere in the United States and you don't, you're not exporting to Korea or Japan, we can do portfolio optimization on an existing portfolio. We can help you take your company overseas. We can help you reach the global middle class by working with partners in Korea and Japan. Awesome. Thank you so much, Teresa. And our next, uh, Paul. Uh, I'm the founder and managing partner a little closer. Uh, of uh, Raven Capital. Raven Capital is a technology venture fund. Uh, it is, we have offices in Silicon Valley and in Toronto. We invest in early stage technology companies, uh, Series A, uh, uh, companies that are, are post-seed, that are in market, that have developed their tech. Uh, we take advantage of cost structure differences between Canada and Silicon Valley where uh, things are very expensive and a lot of dollars go to non-tech uh, costs. Uh, we nurture the companies in Canada and package them up for sale to later stage capital providers in Silicon Valley. And we source our deals globally. Uh, we have partners uh, all around the world in, in the uh, hottest innovation eco ecosystems. Excellent. Thank you. Good morning. My name is <clears throat> my name is Jose Viscarondo. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm with uh, Elgathon Capital Management. I'm a partner at Elgathon. Uh, we are a multifamily office based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, we uh, serve as chief investment officer for a number of, of families, mostly Midwest-based, but not all of them. Uh, the way we uh, we work is we we manage uh, across all the asset classes, really all the Although the, um, on the equity side, public equities, we manage uh, most of those in-house with our core value strategy, and we'll manage the fixed income ourselves as well. On the private side, we're active in, in uh, equity, real estate, and debt, and what we like to do is identify the partners that we, uh, that we like, that, people, that, that we know and develop a relationship over the long term, and work with people that we know and in geographical areas that we know as well. The means we'll do maybe one or two of those uh, private investments per year. Um, and again, in area, geographical areas that we know and with people uh, we know. We have kind of a unique geographical focus. It's upper Midwest and at the other extreme is Puerto Rico, which is where I'm, where I'm from. And not only for that reason, uh, but because there are incredible opportunities right there right now. So, what kind of real estate in Puerto Rico in the Midwest uh, well, are we talking uh, about? Puerto Rico has a very unique situation in that the, uh, pretty much the entire island of Puerto Rico is an opportunity zone. So uh, if you consider opportunity zone investing throughout the, the country, you're mostly looking at very distressed areas where Puerto Rico offers the opportunity to, to invest in opportunity zones in, uh, in, a, in a beachfront property and, uh, and resort area. So that's, it's kind of, kind of unique. So we'll see higher returns there um, and with some extra tax benefits as well be beyond the typical uh, of the standard and opportunity zone. Yes, residential, commercial, anything. Um, and just on opportunity zones, uh, you know, it's relevant to, to the topic of this panel. We think opportunity zones are being seen primarily as a real estate uh, investment vehicle. However, if you just think about how, how the benefit of the opportunity zone uh, law is structured is towards back-end capital gains. So if you can look at private equity investments in opportunity zones, um, we think that's a way to kind of look at this and, and structure it. So we're, we're, lo we're looking at, at those both in, our, in both of our geographies. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much.
All right, so we'll start again. Uh, I'm going to start again with Brian. Brian, um, what, and this is a question I've asked you many times, but I know that for a lot of our audience members, it's really important. How are you guys sourcing deals? Like, how are, how are the deals ending up in a meeting with you? A couple things. Uh, number one, you know, certainly we have a very vast inner circle. Uh, we're friends with, you know, a lot of other families. Uh, who you know happen to see a lot of transactions some of them are real estate families and many you know many of them aren't acquiring land or doing you know ground-up construction so it's natural to you know divert or flow that you know over to uh, my direction uh, also you know attorneys and CPAs uh, you know as well uh, property managers in the you know in local markets and how about because I don't know, you and I have done panels probably five, six times up to this point. What leads you to actually end up meeting with someone here? Well, I think... Uh, like, what stands out for you that leads to a meeting in a room like this that may be considered, quote-unquote, cold? I mean, maybe, like, in, like in terms of meeting... Meeting somebody, them face-to-face. -face. Yeah, I think... Uh, what stands out? The, yeah, certainly the face-to-face -face interaction is always invaluable. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things I always recommend to me is just, you know, be a human being, ultimately, uh, you know, you know, a lot of times people will come up and, you know, they'll just start, you know, pitching or want to, you know, grab like, you know, 45 minutes of my time or whatever. And I think just, you know, in a venue like this, it's just good to, let's have a brief conversation, just be a human being, let's build a little rapport. And, you know, later on, you know, I think it, it's, and it has led to a number of very, very productive discussions and, and reviewing of, uh, you know, transactions, you know, certainly from people that I've uh, met, you know, through this venue. Any key words that stand out that kind of go, okay, like let's, I like, I like I like stuff that's quiet and this and fairly discreet. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, certainly um, you know it's very very rare that uh, you know we'll look at anything that's out there on the market or you know or has been floated out to like you know twenty other people or or so uh, so uh, so certainly you know quiet is uh, always a good very very good word. Excellent, excellent, great, uh, Mark. Uh, what are you looking out for here? What has you taking things to the next level, to that next meeting? What stands out for you? Yeah. So, so I'm probably the, uh, when being introduced here today, we were talking, uh, you mentioned that um, everybody here is investing. Um, so I'm kind of a little bit different from that. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, uh, my company specializes in uh, full scope financial planning. So, although we do a lot of the uh, we'll call it the black and white vanilla stuff for the average everyday investor. Um, my own personal clientele and two other individuals that work with us, uh, we've worked with the uh, affluent marketplace for quite a, quite a bit of time now. So what we try to do, and I remember someone telling me years ago that when you're dealing with uh, affluent clients, um, quite often you make better return uh, finding situations where you can avoid taxes rather than making better return. Well, now with this group uh, that I've had an opportunity to talk to, maybe that's not the case. Some of you get some pretty darn good return. But avoiding taxes, avoiding taxes uh, in our environment, which, which most would agree that taxes are not going down. Uh, and I'm talking income, gift, estate, capital gains, um, 
all of them, uh, there are some very creative ways uh, of doing that. And those are some of the things that I like to bring to light. Uh, I have uh, been involved with putting together some uh, situations where you could say, well, how, how can you do that? And um, I like to get that response. How do you do that? Well, I'll show you. And I've taken that on to the state, to the Florida Bar, Florida Division of Accountancy, and uh, soon on a national level. Uh, and I give continuing education. Um, some of these things have been approved by uh, the higher up. So I teach attorneys and CPAs as well um, how you do it, some of what we do. Excellent. Great, thank you. And uh, uh, Ben, can you give me some examples of some deals, in maybe in the past twelve months that really resonated with you guys, and maybe you guys closed on and, and move forward with? Sure. Uh, we're primarily commercial real estate investors and developers, uh, but about two years ago, we decided to expand into uh, peripheral businesses, uh, areas like fintech uh, that have a significant real estate connected play, um, types of products or services that we would be able to uh, use within our operating business um, about. Uh, a year ago, actually at the at this summit last year, we ended up doing uh, a deal with one of the sponsors who had a, a presentation out uh, outside. Uh, fintech? Uh, it was not fintech, but it was related to uh, uh, monitoring systems for boilers. And so anything with uh, either a fintech or an iOS play internet of, of things uh, is a very big part of our industry. Um, real estate is a very slow industry in general. It's one of the last to be disrupted. Um, but it's finally getting there, and we're seeing that with a lot of partners and a lot of companies uh, that we deal with both in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, and so to answer your question, so last year actually at the summit we met with one of the sponsors uh, based in, in, um, in Vancouver, in Canada, who had great monitoring systems that were proprietary, that were patented. Uh, and uh, a, a great synergy for us is to be able to actually test the product or service you know, across our portfolio of properties, actually have proof of concept in-house, and that gives us confidence to invest in, in, those, uh, in those businesses outside of real estate. Okay, excellent. And can you raise your hand if you're in fintech? Raise your hand, fintech. Nice and high. I'm curious. Please. All right. Great. Excellent. Uh, and thank you. And iOS? IoT? All right. Fantastic. We'll have some questions later. All right. Great. Uh, Richard, please. So uh, I also have experience of... Uh, finding an opportunity at the uh, the last super summit and, and typically what I suggest to folks and again we're we're a holding company um, investment bank life settlements and, and biotech are the three companies um, I was talking about our uh, life settlement business which is kind of a boring double-digit return investment opportunity uh, and I found an individual or group that had an oil and gas opportunity that wasn't a fit, obviously, for our hedge fund, which is our principal investing uh, vehicle, uh, but for uh, our investment bank. And, and typically, when, when in interacting in an environment like this, the, the best way to get a referral is to, to give a referral. Um, and when this particular group uh, came up to us, we, you know, having an investment bank and, and having access to, to family offices, which is one of the specialties of our investment bank, we, we look typically look at later stage deals, typically two to 20 million in the EBITDA range. A lot of the um, folks that I've met through these conferences maybe are a little bit earlier stage looking for more uh, opportunistic capital. Um, the company that we met was uh, you know seven or eight million dollars in revenue at the time. 
um, a little bit later stage, so it was a good fit. And um, you know, the differentiator, differentiator there was uh, it wasn't an immediate solicitation uh, from them to try to get get our business, but more of a, a networking opportunity. And they started giving us some referrals, and and, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, that got our attention. Got it. An example of a deal with a deal that you guys have worked on in the past 12 months, 24 months looks like. Um, well, this was an oil and gas opportunity, uh, and so what they well, what do... Stu yeah, what stood out about that opportunity? Well, what they do that's different is they tend to, to buy the, uh, you know, the, the sh more shallow producing wells from, from the majors at a discount. Um, a lot of the, the majors, like, the, the, you know, they want the deep well rights, and they tend not to invest as much in, in, in the more shallow areas because uh, the, the revenue opportunity isn't as high to move their needle. Um, what this particular group does is they come in and they apply an array of technologies that they've sourced from around the world, uh, and these technologies are, are green, so they're, they're cutting edge, uh, newer technologies with, with 21st century uh, technology that can, um, with the, by applying these array of technologies, they've been able to you know, double um, the the production of these wells, these kind of orphan wells that haven't had a lot of attention. So to me, um, it was in an industry, oil and gas, which is is not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and it was an opportunity to um, you know increase uh, you know the, the 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 revenue rate significantly and doing it in a way that it has uh, a sustainable edge. Okay, great. Oil and gas, energy. Please raise your hand. All right, and are you guys looking outside of oil and gas into the future of so that, sustainability, for, solar? For, for us, our, our biggest opportunity right now is in, in, in an area called life settlements. So life settlements is the purchase or sale of an insurance policy, life insurance policy uh, in the secondary market. And so uh, life insurance um, sales or life settlements is now considered a, a sustainable investment. So um, it's, uh, it touches on one of the most important issues, uh, which is uh, senior financial independence for the SRI investor. Um, and so that, this particular space has uh, gotten a lot of institutional uh, attention with uh, you know, Berkshire, Oak Tree, Apollo, Blackstone coming in. Uh, and so for us, our, our business, um, you know, our, our, our hedge fund business raised over $100 million uh, this year. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of that's been from family offices and multi-family offices, just looking for kind of a, a boring double-digit return, which is uh, you know uh, interesting. So, that for, so for us, it's been that looking for opportunities within that space, the longevity space. Excellent, thank you. And uh, Teresa, if I could ask you a little bit more about your due diligence process for a lot of these deals uh, that are coming on your table, um, especially the ones that you say you're taking here and bringing overseas. Um, well, if we're sourcing a deal um, in the United States, we have the ability to perform extensive due diligence. You mean, so, um, for example, there's a company based in Milwaukee called Front Desk, which we have invested in, and they, um, they, you know, Milwaukee is a small town. You can you can get to know people pretty well. The entrepreneur was the son of my high school English teacher, um, but I mean. You, you typically want to learn who their family is, and so you can perform wow. due diligence by talking to, to um, people you know, talking to other angel investors. With this company, um, I listened to the entrepreneur talk about what he wanted to do. He wanted to um, rent out apartments and then Airbnb them out. 
and he was starting out by renting six units in a building, and if he got additional revenue, he could rent out 12 units in a building. And then he has operational excellence. He does a really, really good job with pricing. He takes care of the housekeeping staff, and the, the operating margins are very good. So he started, I was talking to him, and then he started, he was in one city, he was in Milwaukee, he expanded into a second city, a third city, a fourth city. Now I believe he's in 15 cities. I wanted to take him to Japan. So I took him on a trade mission. Our governor was going over to um, Japan. I took him along, and there was tremendous interest in, um, in, in Japan. They have second-tier cities, third-tier cities. There are apartments there, and there are inbound, um, there are companies that want to encourage tourism. So this company could push tourists to Japan in, in, you know, ahead of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Well, I, I told him, let's, let's go for it. You know, let's get additional capital and help you expand globally. And he's like, you know, there's such tremendous opportunity right here in the United States. We're in tier two cities. We could expand into tier three cities, tier four cities. We could, um, we could sell out, we could start selling software, licensing software to other applications. We could, um, like I said, expand in the number of units per building, the number of um, buildings per city. There are so many opportunities for expansion that I'm not ready to go overseas. So it was kind of me pushing him. Um, but it, it's doing fine, but we can't always you know, achieve my dream just because I think it, he should do it. Got it. How, how many decks do you think you look at a month? How many decks? Um, so I, I talk to my friends. I talk to my syndication partners, and I... I work with um, I work with other so I, I don't I don't I don't start out by looking at the decks. I judge the entrepreneur on their ability to make phone calls. I judge their ability I judge them on their ability to um, get the attention from people that I know. So I would say I'm one level up. But looking at decks is um, is like I'm not I'm not judging the company on a deck. There are so many accelerators that can make the company look pretty. That it's really about the the human um, the human touch the confidence. Can you make a phone call seriously? Like, no, that's, that's core for business, and a lot of millennials can't. So th those yeah, are the things no, that I look true. for. Yeah. No, I, for sure. Millennials get freaked out when they get a phone call. <laughs> like, super scared. So I feel like I have a total advantage. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, so, okay, so that's big. So you definitely don't want awkward people you, you want know, somebody who can pitch you because yeah. the way they're pitching me is the way they're pitching yeah. their customers. Yeah. And it, it's tremendously important. I mean, I want the company to say, I need to work with you because you can take me into Asia through, Jap through Japan and through Korea. I need to work with you. Yeah. So they need to fight their way in front of me. They need to insist that I have a meeting with them. They need to capture my attention and they need to blow my mind on their technology. Then they need to be able to survive rigorous due diligence from one of the most um, difficult angel investment networks in the, in the United States because you know we're incredibly conservative. Milwaukee is an incredibly conservative city. Wisconsin is an is a con incredibly conservative place. So um, a person really needs to fight to get attention from from us. But if if you can do it, I mean, we can give you the entire world. Excellent. Yeah. Great. So a lot of it's just like, would you say a lot of a lot of it's like gut, intuitive. You know what you're sensing initially from that person, their passion going into it. You know. So for those of us that need public speaking you know, and, and communication, it's, it's important, you know, I think it's really important. So thank you, Teresa. Uh, Paul, if you can kind of dig deep a little bit into some of the closed transactions in the past 12 months, 24 months, what they look like, what stands out? 
Well, I think what's happening now uh, in venture capital uh, with technology um, companies overall is people are starting to shy away from the trend of the past 10 years, which is growth for the sake of growth. Yeah. And they're turning into something uh, which, which is core to us, which is, can I see a path to positive cash flow? Profit. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's, uh, that's our nature because all of our partners uh, have been company founders and, and owners and, uh, and uh, operators and have bought and sold companies before, so we understand the, the fundamentals of, of business, uh, which, is, which has been counterculture in the technology world for a, f a few years, but it's, it's now something that, that's very important. Um, as we hear about companies like WeWork and, 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 and Uber. Exactly. So uh, just destruction of, of wealth for the sake of growth is not what we're after. We're after um, you know, creating wealth. Um, my, my business partner is on the floor. He's the guy with the white turban. Uh, in his, um, his previous fund, he had a 65% IRR. That was uh, a lot of wealth creation. So as a niche strategy, venture capital is, is a form of private equity. We're not yeah. you know, trading on the public markets and so on. But, and there is more risk associated with that higher return. But our history is you know, in, in being able to produce that. So um, uh, that's, the, that's the core. So technology, uh, sourcing deals, we're set up globally to source the best deals possible. Um, but technology, the, the tech or the deck is just the table stake. It, yeah. It's really whether the business fundamentals are there, and that's where our due diligence comes into play, and so on. So, so we need, at our early stage of, of company investment, we need highly scalable opportunities. Without that, uh, the, the rate of return will be a less than what we need. But if they're losing money, you're saying no right off the bat? Um, there has to be a, we have to understand how they're going to make money. It could be that they're just getting into market, and so they are. They have a runway that they have to burn cash on. Yeah. But we have to be able to understand that we will we will exit the company as soon as as soon as possible. Um, hopefully, with a positive uh, return. So there will be situations where the company is is not uh, profiting right when they're getting into market. Um, but generally, can you give speaking, me an example of? You know, you don't have to even say the company's name necessarily, but just maybe what they had or, or, or what really made you believe that, okay, they need to burn some money on this runway right now, but I can see how this can be profitable down sure. the line. Well, there's, there's two, two quick examples. Uh, one, we, we, we have been um, business partners with a digital marketing agency that serves some of the biggest companies in North America. They, they became uh, fatigued by uh, every time that they took on a new client they would have to hire 30 more developers and, and uh, marketers on their team. They developed a, an artificial intelligence engine to actually drive um, an automated way of, of uh, 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 changing, transforming the digital, the websites of their, of their customers without any human touch. Hmm. So basically, pixel by pixel, based on user in interaction, the, those websites are changing so that every single person has a customized uh, web interface. So that, that's, that's, awesome. that, that's saving huge amounts of people cost and allowing the digital marketing agency to focus on their premium services, which are strategy. So it's like AI web development? That's right. Another example, we've studied uh, the, the whole crypto uh, space and uh, distributed ledger technology space for, for many years to understand how people actually will make money out of it. We, we yeah. tend to focus on business-to-business -business investments rather than consumer. 
and uh, there's only a, a, a very small handful of, of opportunities we see that we can actually see a pathway to money. It's a very volatile, yeah. changing market, and we tend to focus on supply chain investments in that, uh, our opportunities in that space. One company that I ran across uh, last month at the Singapore FinTech Festival was uh, an opportunity where, where, they act, where they used distributed ledger technology, uh, but it wasn't about crypto uh, currencies, it was about gamifying people's bets on whether a crypto uh, currency was going to increase or decrease in value. Wow. So the opportunity was uh, taking, they were charging people money to place those bets. The crypto futures? Yeah, they weren't, they weren't investing in the crypto, they were actually just taking money from people placing bets on crypto. I can understand the money aspect of that. So. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So you guys are looking. At, can you raise your hand if you're in the crypto space, blockchain? Saw a lot of you today. All right. Great. Excellent. Great. And uh, Jose, uh, if you can, once again, just what a deal looks like. Give me some specifics. I want to know the juice. So, yeah, so quickly, I'll mention three things that we are working on and we've started over the last 12 months and st still looking forward to, to grow and, uh, and invest in. Number one, as I mentioned, an opportunity zone. So we're putting together a, a, a fund for, for our clients. So we're looking for projects. So we're looking for opportunity zone projects, as I said, ideally um, in, the, in our zone. So as I described, and if they're equity rather than real estate, even better. So, so that's one thing we're working on right now. One thing that uh, we have, uh, we started about 12 years ago, uh, 12 months ago was a uh, um, we partnered with a leasing company. They, this is a, a company that has, is active as a specialty finance company uh, in um, capital equipment, uh, capital leases for equipment financing for small and medium businesses. So, fantastic track record of very, very good underwriting and, and quick response. They uh, needed to expand their funding sources, so we've worked with them. First, we underwrote them, then we worked with them. We helped them create a parallel fund with our clients and, and their network of clients so, uh, so that uh, everyone won, was a winner, right? So our clients were able to access an asset class that's mostly unseen, uh, very specific and very, very focused, and, uh, and they, they, uh, they, they benefit as well from a new funding source. So we're, we're, we're looking to expand that uh, network uh, as well uh, and be more active in the, uh, in the private credit, uh, specifically in what we consider to be the working capital side of, um, of the financing needs for, for companies. Um, both um, again equipment uh, leasing and, uh, and and even a shorter term on the receivable side um, and um, and uh, and thirdly we are just uh, again to give you an idea we're working with a uh, private REITs. so private REITs, if you're if you've seen them private REITs, um, if you understand the one you are looking at they they can be uh, more stable, higher yielding than public REITs. So we're right now working with, with a, with a private REIT uh, to um, for our investors. So those are the three things we're working on now. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our first panel of the day. And before we give them a round of applause, since it is the first panel of the day, I do want to remind everybody here to please give our panelists time and space to exit. <laughs> so let's make sure to give them a little room 
and they're going to be over there in that sponsor area where the coffee is, in the room where the other sponsors are, in this direction. But please remember to give them time and space to exit this room, okay? We don't want to get any type of fire hazard. So if we can please give a big round of applause to our first panel of the day, everybody, for our Super Summit. Excellent. Great, gentlemen. You're going to exit right out that door, okay? Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Teresa. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jose.